Hello and welcome back to the edition podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Henry. We all spend too much time on Twitter. We all know it. But very kindly, Elon Musk is trying to stop us spending too much time on Twitter by limiting what you can read on the platform to discuss this latest development in the Twitter omni shambles is my good friend, <laughs> Jeff Gamut. Hello, Jeff Gamut. How are you? Charlotte Henry, I am so happy to get to spend time with you. It's always it's lovely always to have you back. Treat. Yeah, it's lovely to have you back on the show. It's been far too long. Um, and so it's great to have you back. Now, you and I, we should say, have spent rather too much time on Twitter in the course of our lives. I think that's fair, isn't it? That's fair. Yeah. Right. Um, luckily, Elon is helping us out because he's making the product bordering on the unusable. So let, you know, people had all their political views and whatever. I actually don't think we need to talk about that now because I think this is a separate issue to the technical flaws that are happening. So here, there was an announcement, whatever it was, on June the 30th, that was fr Friday or whatever, I think, that uh, Twitter's web version was no longer allowing users to browse without logging in. So, you you know, sometimes you would Google something and the Google result would be a tweet and you could just see it even if you weren't on your machine and logged in. So that mm -hmm. stopped on June the 30th. When uh, someone pointed this out on Twitter, an account called Twitter Daily News, oh, uh, Elon Musk himself replied because he didn't have anything better to do. Um, and replied, temporary emergency measure. We're, we were getting data pillaged so much that it was degrading service for normal users. Okay. And then on July the 1st, he tweeted, uh, to address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we applied uh, some temporary limits. That was 6,000 posts a day for, for verified accounts. Unverified accounts were 600 posts a day and new unverified accounts were 300 posts a day. Uh, that went up a bit later to 8,000 for verified, 800 for unverified and 400 for new unverified. I only noticed this because I was like doing idly scrolling through as one does. And then it looked like the whole app wasn't working. I thought, oh, what's gone on here? The app's crashed. And then I saw that there was a limit. And then apparently it's now gone up these limits to 10K, 1K and 0.5K. So you're literally being stopped seeing tweets. But the whole point of mm -hmm. Twitter is the infinite scroll. If if you can't see content, which is the point of being there, mm -hmm. why would you be there at all? And, A and, very reasonable <clears throat> question the, to ask. The justification for, <clears throat> excuse me, the justification for putting this, uh, this, pretty extreme throttling in place um i i'm having a problem with it because the uh, the scraping of content from twitter this is nothing new this is how it's worked basically since it started well i want to talk about twitter's relationships with api users separately in a bit because that is a key part of what's been going on since elon bought it so we'll deal mm -hmm. with that. I also want to talk about just the sort of chaos of it. This does not give an impression of a tech company being run and in control. And I can't help but think that what happens is if you sack a load of people, including a lot of engineers, suddenly things don't work as well as they should. I mean, Twitter will obviously say, Elon Musk will obviously say, 
we're doing this to make the experience better. We can't have this data scraping, blah, 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 blah. I think it's just dressing up absolute lack of resources. I think you're pretty much spot on with that. So when, um, excuse me, when Elon bought the company and then immediately started laying off a lot of people, like a significant portion of the workforce. I mean, okay, he walks in to the headquarters carrying a, a sink we're already in trouble because the the joke just isn't going to work and uh, but then it leads into immediate uh, mass firings and and also staff quitting some combination of the two yes so you you have this exodus of employees some by by choice some forced out and uh, and you lose a massive amount of institutional knowledge and when there was a reason why there were so many people in the various roles that they had, maybe there were too many in certain situations, but generally speaking, they needed those employees to actually make things work. And when you get rid of your, your, uh, your talent like that, that's not something that you can't just immediately replace or get by without my prediction when elon took over the company was that uh, that yes the company would end up imploding um like so many other people were predicting uh, this is the my point where pre- i have to put my confession in mm-hmm. where i thought no one would stop using the service when because he'd taken over and that nothing would really changed that was my prediction um Bodwell has held the test of time your your prediction is uh, is doing great. Really good. Uh, well done. Yeah, well done, Charlotte. Thank you. My, my prediction, on the other hand, was a little bit more pessimistic, maybe a little more pragmatic, which was that the company wasn't going to just implode and and be gone. It was going to slowly crumble apart, and piece by piece, things would stop working. And along the way, you would see. Uh, the the company try to uh, to deal with some of these problems, which is what we're seeing right now. And, but ultimately, it just crumbles until it's like Ozymandias's statue. It's standing there, and it's just a a sea of sand around it. That what it represented is gone. That is a fab. We've never had such grand comparisons on this show. Thank you, Jeff. But. It does feel like <laughs> it does feel like the whole thing is crumbling. And there's sort of this weird thing where Elon is taking a bit of joy from it as well. You know, uh, the day after these limits were imposed, he tweeted, Oh, the irony of hitting view limits due to complaining about view limits. I mean, respect your customers. And this is the main mm-hmm. one of the central points I want to come on to with this. Um, I have to say, sorry, I'm just, I've got Elon Musk Twitter feed next to me. Hopefully I won't hit my view limits too soon, uh, during the course of the show. And he has retweeted (laughs) one of his own parody accounts. Uh, the parody account said the reason I set a view limit is because we're all Twitter addicts and need to go outside. I'm doing a good deed for the world here. Also, there's just another view you used. 
quite funny. <laughs> uh, and Elon's own actual account said, you wake from a deep trance, step away from the phone to see your friends and family. Again, it slightly feels like he's trolling us. I'm not denying that we should spend less time on our phones and more times with our friend and family. Not denying that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're the CEO of Twitter, fine. You should have provisions for like screen limits and screen health and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But you also have to respect your users. And I feel particularly strongest about this because Twitter, like basically all the social platforms, only exists because you and I put, and many others, put content on there. If we stop writing tweets and sharing photographs and sharing links, it doesn't work. And we have seen Elon Musk totally, well, first of all, the experience of using Twitter has totally deteriorated. But also he's made it harder and harder for content to be created and shared on a platform that's all about doing that. So a couple of examples. I think I spoke about this when Chris Stoker Walker was last on the show to talk about Twitter. I might be wrong, but I've definitely mentioned this before that the Substack thing where they, he cancelled, he basically made it impossible to share a link from Substack to Twitter. They completely throttled it. They don't show preview images. It just looks horrible. And Substack throttled. This was in reaction to Substack launching its notes feature, which was kind of Twitter-esque. Fine. Mm-hmm. So that was a very that was the reaction. It wasn't a uh, let's make our product better. It was like let's denigrate and deteriorate the service of another product. I've also seen on the edition.net, like millions and millions of websites runs on WordPress. Nothing too exciting there. And one of the plugins big parts of WordPress is a uh, service called Jetpack, which allows Mm -hmm. you to do all sorts of things, including automatically sharing your articles that you post to Twitter. You can set that up. That API function has broken. You now can't do that. And I cannot get my head around a CEO of a company whose whole company is based on other people's content, making it harder to have content on there, whether that's a link or original stuff that people can see. When when you don't understand your product and you don't understand the company that you bought, this is the sort of thing that happens. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I do think that needs emphasizing. We are the products on Twitter and there has always been an acceptance that yes, there's we have to see we see adverts. Okay, I have no problem seeing adverts. That's fine. Obviously, that requires some level of data collection. We all know that in all sorts of products. Fine. We accept that. And we accept that we are the va- we are the value creators mm-hmm. on Twitter. If everyone stops tweeting, Twitter has no value. It's certainly of no interest to right. advertisers, is it? That's an important uh, factor right there. How many advertisers that have been sticking around will leave now because the likelihood their their content will be seen has gone down dramatically. 100%. Right. If you're an advertiser and you're spending money, you've got a digital advertising budget, budget you're going to spend it on a product where it seems people are limit. you are limited to what you want to see. Or you're going to put that money, bit more money on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram ads. What are you going to spend your money on? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, uh, we know yeah. the answer. Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. You nailed it. That's that's the trifecta for for social advertising right now. I think. 
all TikTok. Okay, yep. Which is a slightly different game. Yep. Because it obviously is a bit more influencer-focused and that kind of thing. But there's still something there. You might well decide, oh, I've had enough. I'm not going to spend the budget on display ads. I'm going to move the display ads that I had, you know, the money I had for display ads on Twitter. I'm going to spend it on doing a couple of brand deals with some big influencers where their content is Mm -hmm. not limited, where almost infinite number of people can see that content. Uh, Yep. Charlotte, here's another big problem that I'm seeing with, with um, the trajectory Twitter's on, especially over the past few days. Hit me. Twitter has become a uh, platform that is seen as uh, almost like a community service where you're getting instant updates from uh, from uh, government agencies like like weather alerts. Um, you're getting instant updates on on breaking news mm-hmm. um, and 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 in, in places where, where you can have like really volatile situations that breaking news may also be a community service. Uh, that's gone. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that's a really important point. So I'm going to give a couple of serious examples and then one that I think is really important, but is definitely not in the same series. So I know you're thinking of because of where you are, um, some of the big, big dramatic weather events that take place in the US and have taken place recently. Lots of people communicated what was going on because of Twitter, right? right That's yes. kind of what you're thinking of, like smoke and fires and that kind of thing. Right, yes. Count, uh, city, county, state agencies putting out updates on Twitter so you know even before you're getting uh, like a push notification to your phone that you're in an evacuation zone that uh, that you better start packing because – you're about to get a notice that you're in an evacuation zone. Right, really important. And I think some authorities have got really good at using that and it really, really matters. Right, mm-hmm. that's that's important. And I was thinking things like there's been obviously riots and violence in France recently. That's the type mm-hmm. of thing people might follow developments in France. Obviously, we've seen over the last far too many months how important Twitter has been for a new source uh, for developments in Ukraine and Russia's invasion of that country, mm-hmm. all serious stuff, and it's a very it's become a very very important source because what happens when these important things happen? A lot of us turn to Twitter, not everyone, but enough people to get quick and often get quick information than you might get through waiting for someone to put a new article or news update mm-hmm. on a news service. Mm-hmm. Right. So first of all, that's important if you've got view limits you're damaged you're obviously damaging that second of all twitter is meant to be fun right like it's also meant to be a fun network so a couple of examples right for the weekend before we're recording this or whatever was a couple of weekends before we were recording this actually it was glastonbury glastonbury was brilliant it was all shown on the bbc and Mm -hmm. there was Absolute loads of conversations going on on Twitter. Can Axl Rose still sing? Spoiler alert, no. How brilliant is Elsa <laughs> John? Spoiler alert, very brilliant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I missed the Food Fighters surprise set. Someone told me it was being broadcast on BBC Two because I tweeted, where can I watch the Food Fighters? Okay, that's a nice communal thing. Public mm-hmm. Square, brilliant. And I got to see the set. 
as it was broadcast on BBC Two. Fabulous. Um, this weekend, uh, the weekend before we were recording this, it was the second Test match in the Ashes cricket. Couple hugely, hugely controversial moments in the game, which I won't try and explain to you as an American. But it all kicks off. My brain would just melt. No, we're not doing it. But lots of discussion again on Twitter. And I think Elon Musk has vastly underestimated the second importance of the second screen experience. I've loved during football World Cups, for example, watching a game and seeing the conversation of the game on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The second screen experience is often very important. Yeah, it's part of the social element of a social network. Bingo. And in one move, that has destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Now, yeah. again, there's a very credible argument. Enjoy the football match you're watching. Enjoy the cricket you're watching in real time. You don't need to be tweeting about it. And that's sort of true, but it adds The other side of that is enjoy it in the way that makes you happy. And if part of that enjoyment comes from sending out posts with your reactions to something as as it's happening. The absolute disgrace of the cheating Australian. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. There you go. The um it's that's if that's part of your enjoyment, other people don't have the right to tell you how you should enjoy something. And more importantly, I enjoy seeing other people's reactions to the cheating Australians. See, that's part of the Which experience. is more important than me mouthing off. Sure, yes. You, you, you are getting enjoyment from watching other people on Twitter mouth off about something you're seeing in the game and they are seeing it too. Right. That's part of the enjoyment experience that you're getting and uh, and good for you for enjoying the game the way you want. It's, but I never mind that and whether I'm much... He has totally underestimated how important that is to people. I don't know if it's he's underestimated or if he simply doesn't care. Right. Let's get. Do you think that? Do you think he's just? You've said before, just earlier. Think he doesn't understand the business. That's why when we doesn't mm-hmm. get it. What's what's the long term pl- like? What is the plan here? What? Yeah. I I still. I'm doubting that there is a long-term plan. Okay. What, which you think is kind of crazy to, to say. You think he got forced to complete the deal when he really had gone off the idea and wants to find an exit? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that when Elon first made his, uh, his uh, blowhard bid to buy Twitter, he was not uh, serious. And, um, and then it just kind of escalated. And the next thing you know, he's buying this company. He has a track record that, at least to me, says he's actually not a good businessman. Ooh. And and if you look at the other companies that he's been involved in, like PayPal, mm-hmm. okay, he, he, he got fired from a company he helped create. Then and then when you look at did pretty uh, well out of it though paypal's still pretty successful right but they were smart enough to fire him okay and uh, and so they've they've been in that case actually companies that he's involved in are successful in spite of him not because of him that's Tes- my opinion tesla tesla 
and uh, and SpaceX, they have uh, systems in place where they can have a group of handlers for Elon to uh, to act as a buffer to protect the rest of the company from things he would otherwise do. Yeah, and it's not like Tesla has been without trouble. There was lots of delays to releases, and you know, I'm not pretending right. Tesla is some perfect company. It's had difficult times, but it's still wildly successful. Right now, look at Twitter. There, there's no system in place to to um, temper what he's doing. Well, you lead me to a very interesting point that I wanted to bring up, which is that of the new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, who came in. Her job was, you know, I've heard, read some stuff about kind of no compete clauses from her previous job, whatever. But she came in and her job was to sort out the problem with advertisers, i.e. people don't want to advertise on Elon's Twitter. Mm-hmm. That was her job. We've not heard now. First of all, if she's whatever business she's doing with advertisers, it's not a great sell if you have to go into some major company and go, yeah, but people can only see ten thousand tweets a day. First of all, doesn't help yeah. her at all. And I have noticed it's. I appreciate it's been a holiday weekend in the United States. Get that, but we have recorded this on Monday, the third of July, mm-hmm. at the time of recording. We have not heard from her. She tweeted, I'm in an empire state of mind with the building, obviously Twitter's New York office on June the 27th. Um, And then she retweeted the Twitter global government affairs uh, account on June the 29th. And since then, at the time of recording, she has tweeted nothing. Now, if I was her... Maybe she hit her limit. (laughs) Maybe maybe she can't say any more tweets. Yeah. If I was her, I'd be pretty steaming furious at the moment, wouldn't you? I would. Uh, yeah, if I were her. Um, I I have a feeling, and, and again, this this is just my speculation. I I really think that Elon hired her because he wanted a setup for a glass cliff. And uh, and for the pe- for people that don't know what I'm talking about. When you have uh, women in leadership roles, there's the glass ceiling, meaning this is as high as as women can get in in the business and no higher. The glass cliff is when you want someone to take a fall for the company, but you want to to look progressive. You hire a woman to take on that leadership role, knowing full well that it's a Kobayashi Maru, a no-win scenario. Man, I'm mixing metaphors like crazy. And, no, I uh, understand what you're saying. And I think she's that's sort of what she set is. Up, set up for a fall. Look, you yeah, may so, well be right. We don't know how it's going to play out. But if I was her and I'd come in, a highly qualified woman, on the premise that you've got to sort the key thing you've got to do is sort out the advertiser problem. And he made a big play, didn't he? I'll work with the engineers. I'm going to keep making the product better. You, you know, do the business side, do the advertisers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'd be pretty furious if only a few days, really only a few days, that's what we're talking, into that new job, you're got suddenly finding this problem, which is so fundamental to breaking display advertising. I'm not pretending that there aren't still loads of people seeing loads of tweets a day. Of course there are. But mm-hmm. you are clearly limiting it, and that is clearly limiting what people are prepared, going to be prepared to pay for advertising. It just has to. 
what when you throttle like like that they're doing now with uh with viewership you are dramatically reducing the number of eyes that can see any potential ad just by definition mm -hmm. by definition and it's all got to me goes back to the hit elon musk not understanding the value of content whether it's a photograph someone's taken and post directly to twitter whether it's a video they upload frankly whether it's a link to a blog post because that provides value because people go on twitter to look for that kind of stuff i'll follow this person then i'll know where their latest article is that that is all he doesn't think it direct but it does all provide value and make twitter valuable mm -hmm. and i suspect linda yaccarino understands that because she understands advertising and advertisers i i would assume so um as we're having this discussion now i'm wondering is she the reason that uh, that apple put the first episode of <laughs> silo on twitter so you could uh, stream the whole episode through twitter which to me is the the absolute wrongest place to put uh, a tv show <laughs> you, you I, put I, it on... i'm really pleased you mentioned this i did a tiktok video on it because i was kind of like taken aback by it now you and i had a discussion whether we liked silo or not we won't repeat it on air you're not, needless to say spoiler alert jeff gamut big sci-fi fan not that convinced we'll leave it at that there we go good enough but it was interesting to see apple of all companies put a tv show of all things on twitter of all places right what was your takeaway from seeing it 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 was to me it was like like if Cirque du Soleil decided they were going to do a uh, uh, a special performance at your local mechanic shop. It, just, it I mean that's very rude to local mechanics who provide a very useful and important service. Okay, that that's fair. However, um, it's all I could come up with in the moment. Um, but I understand your point. You're saying it's just not the appropriate setting. It's it's not the right setting. No, um, what what I would have done is put it on the Apple YouTube channel, and then on all the social platforms, send out uh, put out posts with links back to Apple's YouTube channel. I, I mean, I entirely agree. You could even have the opening five minutes on Twitter and then send people to YouTube. Whatever. Sure. I, I entirely agree. I was really surprised they didn't do it on a more proprietary platform. I know even YouTube is still or rented more space. appropriate. Yeah. First of all, yes, I can never imagine in a million years when I'm going to sit down on Twitter to watch a video that's an hour long, which that first episode of Silo is. Mm -hmm. I would watch an hour long video and do on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I completely agree with you on that. Second of all, I know Apple doesn't do Google ads, does it? Because it, I assume because it doesn't want to give Google any money. Like, I don't think it runs ads on its YouTube channel, does it? Um, I guess not. Now that you say that. I don't I, think I, I've I ever, on reflection, I don't think I've ever seen an advert on a Apple related, an Apple owned YouTube channel. But the point is, it's your channel. What because so if people go and watch the first episode of Silo on YouTube, they might see trailers for other things that they watch. They might mm -hmm. see other Apple content that they watch. 
it mm -hmm. is much more useful to you to have people on your YouTube channel than on your pretending they're going to watch an hour of TV on Twitter. Now, my only counterbalance to that is, do people watch the first few minutes on Twitter and go, this is a really annoying experience. I'm going to jump onto Apple TV Plus and watch it. They might. Mm -hmm. That is conceivable. Mm -hmm. Or but, they'll just stop watching because it's a crappy experience. Exactly. You might lose them in the transition. Whereas if mm -hmm. it's on YouTube, they probably just keep watching it. Right. I mean, there, there's the argument for why put it on YouTube? You already have it on Apple TV Plus. Just sure. make the episode free and put links back to it. <clears throat> my my answer to that is, sure, you can do that, but not everyone is uh, prepared to hop immediately into the Apple TV app experience. Put it someplace where it, it's essentially ubiquitous. Yeah, and, and YouTube, and it obviously has all sorts of SEO and search benefits on YouTube, etc., etc., etc. I also find it's interesting that Apple, given the narrative around Twitter, whether I agree with it or you agree with it or whatever, would wanted to make such a statement on the platform. I'm glad you brought that up because I I'm in the same boat. I don't understand why Apple from not just from a business perspective, but from an ethical perspective seems okay to have an active presence on Twitter. I, I think it's fine to have an active presence on Twitter. I think that's where or were eyeballs still were. Like, I don't think for one minute Apple should not be posting tweets. I just don't believe that. Uh, I am, but to post an hour long TV show on Twitter, not many people have done that. Not many stream, I can't think of another streaming services that made such a stand. For Apple yeah, to do uh, that, same. that is a big, to me, a big statement. Now, I, I, that, that to me is a statement, and I find that quite interesting. It was prepared to make that statement when it, it really didn't need to. Yeah, the whole thing was just weird. Um, it, and it it makes no sense to me at all, which brings us to Chaffin's Razor. Oh from, no! From our, <laughs> you're already rolling your eyes from from our good friend Brian Chaffin. Oh, good friend Brian Chaffin. Hello, Brian. So Chaffin's Razor says if something seems completely irrational and and uh, and insane, there's a key piece of information we're missing that would make that uh, that situation rational given the people at the top of apple now i'm not saying tim well, maybe tim cook did have to sign off something like that giving away a piece of an hour-long piece of content for free uh, we will we, we won't know that but certainly someone senior at apple tv plus had to sign that off so, yes so, someone with lots of zeros on their paycheck had to sign off on that i, I would have thought so and so, yes, there is a bit of information uh, um, that maybe we don't know. And that's, um, yes, a bit perplexing as, you know, maybe the, is there a longer term partnership in the works? We will have to see. Mm -hmm. but, uh, it struck me as interesting. I'm very pleased you brought it up. Uh, let's just jump back to Twitter, the company itself. I think it would be, and maybe this re relates, relates to Brian's theory as well. I think it would be too easy to say all Elon wants is people to sign up for Twitter Blue 
we've we've seen bits of that before. But I don't think mm-hmm. anymore that's the only game in town because surely by this point he's realised there's not enough people paying six ninety nine or eight ninety nine or whatever it is a month. There's just not going that doesn't will not sustain your company. Um. Yes. Here, here's my hypothesis on that. Please. Uh, my hypothesis is that well, first, uh, I do agree with you that uh, he has to be seeing that this is not generating revenue in a in a serious way. I think he he genuinely thought that Twitter Blue was going to be a cash cow. I really? think he, yeah. I I think he has no idea how to to generate revenue with Twitter. And he he's just like off the cuff saying, do this. But he and, and everyone is going, okay, and they just do it. But now what's happening is the decisions that are happening or the consequences of his decisions are making problems for someone, his CEO, who might be able to make the difference, who might know how to generate revenue. Right. And uh, and I really have a hard time believing that Elon will give her the uh, the authority to do the things that she needs to do in the position that she's in. So let's wrap up. You've been right so far in your hypothesis. I don't know if the company will completely implode, but nothing is moving forward very positively, is it? Things are not going in a good direction. But they are definitely not. Um, I, as I say, I think it was, there was some kind of engineering failure that meant they had to re- limit capacity to users. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's a conscious decision to fix a problem. I think it, well, sorry, it was a conscious decision to fix a problem, but I'm not sure it's the problem they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely goes in your theory of imploding. So what happens next? What happens next is uh, they may or may not, but I'm leaning towards may not, be able to fully rectify whatever happened that forced them to have to put um, uh, viewing caps on all users. Um, Since I'm leaning towards they're not going to be able to fix it, I'm inclined to think that uh, viewing caps will just be a thing going forward. They they may be able to continue bumping them up higher, but I don't think they're going to go away. I have I have to say, recording on Monday, I haven't noticed a viewing cap yet. I haven't spent a load of time on Twitter, but I spent enough where I might have thought to hit the whatever it was. I'm not verified, so it's, what is it, 600 for me? Like, I'm, oh, no, it's more than that now. But anyway, I'm at the point where in a day I might well have hit it or getting close. And I haven't seen it yet. I'm not seeing massive reports of it. I wonder if this has quietly just disappeared as a problem as well. Be interesting to see how it plays out as this week goes on. Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked at my Twitter feed in literally months. Yes, you are a uh, renowned Mastodon person. So, yeah. I definitely must have seen a thousand tweets today or or across if it was monitoring it across platforms, I should be getting close. I'd, so I'm not sure that it's a, uh, it might quietly have slipped away. We're going to have to watch what happens if people suddenly come up to, and hitting it. But the point is, as soon as I saw that tweet from Elon Musk, what was the first thing I did? I deleted the Twitter app from my phone. 
there you go because i was like i can't be bothered with this i'll post the few things i need to post so I don't, like this is not a platform that's working for me anymore so i think probably there will i think the limits will quietly slip away actually or that would be good yes so i, think I hope that you're might right. happen the other thing i might think might happen is actually there might be a massive bust and i've been thinking this as the conversation has gone on i think there might be a massive bust up between elon musk and his ceo and she might walk oh yeah i could totally see that happening yeah. Unless a bunch of stuff gets sorted very quickly, she might think this is more trouble than it's worth and co is causing more reputational damage than it's worth to her personally. Uh, yeah. It's the, the, this is a no win scenario for her, I think. Well, unless she turns the product around and it makes money and she does a fantastic job. But I think there's a lot of obstacles in her way to for her to be able to do that. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I'm glad we've got to unpack this all. Where can people find you, including on Twitter? <laughs> well, I mean, you can find me on Twitter because I'm Jay Gamut on basically all the social medias. Um, I have not been active on Twitter this year. No, you're because... more of a mastodon person. Um, what about your podcasting exploits? Um, let's see. So, yeah, you're right. Mastodon, also Instagram. Um, for podcasting, um, Chuck Joyner, he does Mac Voices Live. So that's on Tuesdays. He lets me on his show. Then um, um, then Thursdays, British Tech Network. I am yes. uh, sitting in as the interim host for you and Rankin on the, uh, the big show. Um, yes, people do point out that I've been the interim host for literally years now. Yes, it's been a while, but yes. And yep. sometimes you let me on that occasionally. Um, yes, that's true. And you know why I let you on? It's because you're awesome. Well, yeah. so there's lots of places. And you are still podcasting with our friend Brian Jaffin? I am. Um, yeah, so Brian and I, we do the Context Machine, typically uh, end of the week, oh, which is also when I do the Mac show on British Tech Network. So oh, a... I would be remiss if I oh, yes. did not mention... In touch with iOS, which is a, a Thursday evening US uh, podcast that Dave Ginsburg does. And uh, he lets me on that too. Fabulous. So there's loads of places where you can keep up with Jeff Gamet. I'm at Charlotte A. Hedry on Twitter for as long as it still exists. Um, and actually, I'm either at Charlotte A. Henry or at Charlotte A. Henry on pretty much all social networks. Twitter, TikTok, uh, Instagram, and the like. Uh, obviously, if you head over to theedition.net, you can see the blog post there. You can sign up to the newsletter there, or you can go straight to newsletter.theedition.net. And I really appreciate all the signups there. Um, and yes, there's a lot, lot going on over at the edition. So I hope you will be part of it. Until then, though, thank you once again, Jeff Gamet, and I will see you all next week. Mm -hmm.